0: To see you here this morning. It's good to see Brother Arnold. Miss Brenda here. Good to see you doing better. Sure is good to be in church this morning. Well, it's about 10 after, so y'all want me to preach for 50 minutes. Y'all gonna kill me, I'm telling you. Y'all got to learn to sing some specials or something. Somebody speak up and say, I'd like to sing. <laughs> Help us out a little bit. Fill a little bit of time slot there, but anyway, we'll just give you what I feel like the Lord wants us to have. Today, what I want to talk about is the will of God. And that's a really important thing. I believe for the child of God, that's probably one of the most important things after you get saved that you'll seek out and you'll search for and you'll try to find. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to hit a certain spot this morning, and then I'll knock off. Uh, So um, it'll you know because tonight I'd like to finish it up if if I can. Uh, But I want to give you some things this morning, and uh, maybe uh, give you about five points concerning the will of God tonight. So if you'll stick around with us today, I hope to be able to help you. Uh, The will of God is a very important thing. And so we'll talk about that here. If you will take your Bible, and let's come to Ephesians chapter number six. And uh, I I don't know, I guess as we, you know, some folks, they get saved and and, uh, they think that's all there is to the Christian life. But there's a whole lot more to the Christian life than just getting saved. Um, That was the easy part. That's the part that God did. That's the easy part. Uh, The hard part is living for him. And to find the will of God is to live for him. Um, And even before you find the will of God, it's to live for him. I'll show you that here as we go along. Um, let's look in Ephesians chapter 6 And I hope to be able to help you That's my goal, that's my aim this morning At Every time I get up, y'all have heard me say this many times That's my goal is to try to help you To draw you closer to Jesus Christ It's your relationship with Jesus Christ That's, that's my duty, that's my job And if, you know, if I go home tonight And I lay my head on my pillow I can sleep like a, like a baby Knowing that I've done what God told me to do And that's the only thing that matters really uh, when it comes to church and church attendance is did you do what God told you to do? And so I'm going to do what God told me to do and I hope today you'll do what God told you to do, okay? All right, Ephesians chapter number six, if you're there, say amen. 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 All right, Ephesians chapter six, verse number one, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Well, we shouldn't have let them go out. We should have kept them in here for that one, shouldn't we? That's one maybe we'll preach to him tonight, right? It says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Notice there's a promise that comes with that, and Paul takes that thing from the Old Testament and brings it over into the New Testament and says, hey, that still applies to us today. So even as children were to honor our father and mother, why? So that we may live long on the earth. So if you live long on the earth, chances are you did what mommy and daddy said or, or, uh, or God might whip the pants off of you. Verse number four says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, we could preach right there, couldn't we? You know, there's such a way that you can raise your children, even in church, in a Christian home, and the Bible and prayer, and, and you could still uh, you can provoke them to wrath, provoke them to anger. And so that's why you need to know your children, learn your child, and know that you can't put too much on certain children. There's some on certain children you can, but then maybe on your other children you can't. So you've got to learn each child because they're all different. You don't even discipline your children the same. Why is it they got away, got away with this and then? You know, you hear the story and stuff like that, but, but every child is different. You know, little Susie, you just look at her and she just melts in the floor, you know, if you look at her a certain way. Now, Johnny, you can take the paddle to him and tear him up and he'll laugh at you. So there's children that are, they're just different. So you handle them different. And you have to learn your children are different. You can't train that. That's why I don't give you a whole lot of advice much on rearing children because each child is different. You'll come to me and say, well, preacher, you said that this would work and this would work and this would work and it didn't work. And so you see, so I try not to get into certain things like that. Now, if the Bible's clear on it, I know the Bible talks about, you know, sparing the rod, he that spareth the rod hated his son. I know that. I know that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So I know there's times when that's needful, but that may not be what you have to always do when raising a child. You'll learn that, you know, as you grow and your child grows, you'll learn exactly how to discipline your children. All right, let's move on here. Verse number five says, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of, of your heart as unto Christ. Notice you find servants and masters in verse 5. There's bondservant. You say, well, slavery, slavery. That's talking about slavery. That's not talking about an employer, an employee. That's talking about bondservant. You see, you've got this American idea model in your mind, and you take it and you interpret the Bible in place of the American culture. You know, we don't believe in slavery today, do we? But here in the Bible, there is such a thing as called a bondservant or a manservant or a maidservant. And so that's what this is referring to. Verse number uh, six says, not with our service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. Now watch this last part, doing the will of God from the heart, doing the will of God from the heart. So what I want to talk about this morning is searching for the will of God, searching for the will of God. I'm saved. My name's in the Lamb's book of life. I know I'm going to heaven. Maybe I've been baptized and maybe I've found a local church and I've joined it. And so now I'm searching out what God's will is for me in my life. Now, God's will can kind of be fluid. I guess you could say you could be in God's will one moment and then you can be out of God's will the next. You could be walking in the in the spirit one moment and then you could be walking in the flesh the next. And so that thing can kind of be fluid there. But Paul was talking to the church at Ephesus here in chapter number 6 and he says in verse number 6 he says doing the will of God where from the heart. That's important. That's important. A lot of people seek out and they're doing the will of God, but they're not doing it from the heart. They're doing it to be pleasing to men. They're doing it so everybody can see, look what I do. Look how much I do. And and you know, and, and, and causes problems is what that does. That's all connected with pride. So we don't do what we do for our service as men pleasers, as servants of Christ. We do it from the will of God from the heart, according to verse 6. And that's so important, from the heart. Have we gotten so far from God that we can't do things from the heart anymore? Think about that. Now the Bible mentions the will of God and has much to say on this subject. And I believe that it is one of the most important things after you get saved is to find the will of God and get in it and start doing the will of God. And so we know it's God's will that no one should die and go to hell, right? I mean, that's what 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everybody to be saved. He said, not willing that any should perish. So you see, God's will is for everybody to be saved. Now, not everybody will be saved, but that's God's will. Now, why will not everybody be saved? Well, it's not because God doesn't want you to be saved. It's not because God doesn't want you to trust in him. It's because you won't trust in him. You choose. It is a choice. It's your choice whether you want to trust Jesus Christ or not. And if you want to ignore what I've said and what preachers have said down through the years and walk out those doors and go on about your merry way and reject what we say, then you can have at it. But I'll tell you, there's consequences to rejecting this message and the message is that if you don't get saved you will die and go to hell there's no way around that there's there's either heaven or hell there is no in between you can't be in between saying well i'm working it out it doesn't work that way when the spirit of god deals with your heart you either say yes or you say no that's the choices there are there isn't well maybe tomorrow or maybe the next day because if that's your answer your answer is no you're rejecting him right now because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He puts you on the spot and he says it's either now or, or you may not have later. And so it's either yes or no. So God's not willing. So we know it's God's will that all should be saved. Now, God has a plan for every born again, blood-washed child of God. And there's a will for everybody's life. Now, I'm gonna turn to Romans chapter number 12 and I wanna show you three wills. There's there's different layouts or formats to the will of God and I don't wanna confuse you on that, but I do wanna read this to you. In Romans chapter number 12, I think you'll find it pretty evident. In Romans chapter number 12 in verse number one, Paul says this. He says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Watch this now. Which is your reasonable service? You see, when you get saved and you present your body a living sacrifice, didn't say a dead sacrifice, said a living sacrifice, that means you've given it to Christ. You've given your body to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've said, God, whatever you want for me, I'll follow it, I'll do it, whatever you want. And you've presented your body a living sacrifice, holy. We believe in holy living. We believe in living right. That's what the Bible teaches. And then it says, acceptable unto God. And he said, after you've done those things, that's just your reasonable service. Isn't that something? You don't get rewards for that. That's just your reasonable service. When you get to the judgment seat of Christ and you've presented your body a living sacrifice and you've uh, lived a holy life, and then he says, which is acceptable unto God, he said, then you've just done your reasonable service. Man, most people have missed the mark before they even get to the reasonable service, haven't they? See, that's why I say the will of God is not for the faint of heart. Serving God's not for the faint of heart. Now look at verse number two. And be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove, now here it is, here's the three wills of God according to Paul in Romans 12 and verse two. He says that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's three wills of God that are mentioned here in Romans chapter number 12 and verse number two. And the first one is the good will of God. The good will of God is the child of God doing good, just doing enough good to keep God off your back, Right? Well, I might go to church every now and then just to satisfy God and get God off my back and that kind of a thing. It's good, but it's not acceptable. You see, a lost person can even do good and it's not acceptable to God. And so there's the good will of God. Then we notice number two. The second one is the acceptable will of God. And this is the indication that God does accept the good. It's acceptable. It's the acceptable will where the Christian follows God in most areas areas of his life. It's acceptable, but it's not perfect. It's acceptable, but it's not perfect. Then, number three, we find out that uh, we find the third perfect will, the uh, will of God, is the perfect will. Now, this is where the child of God follows God step by step, day by day. That's the perfect will of God. That's walking in the perfect will of God. So you've got the good will of God. It's good, but it's not acceptable. Then you've got the acceptable, acceptable will of God, and it's acceptable, but it's not perfect. You see how I'm doing that. And then you've got the perfect will of God, which it's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. So as Christians, we should have a desire to go to, to great lengths to search out what the will of God is for our lives. You ought to present your body. Maybe this, this, this morning you want to come down to the altar and you want to say, God, I want you to show me what your will is for my life. Not me to tell you what my will is for my life, but I want you to lead me, guide me step by step what your will is for my life. And that ought to be our attitude. And if you don't have that desire this morning, then you ought to pray and ask God to give you a desire. You say, well, I'm saved. Well, that's good. You did one will. You got saved, right? But then what's the will of God for your life at that point? Well, there's some things that we could talk about. Let's notice four things about God's will here by way of introduction um, but let me say this, there are specific things that God has for each one of us. Your capabilities, your talents, your abilities, all, all of those things. And, and, and at the end of the day, I can't tell you what the will of God is for your life. You say, well, you're the preacher, you should know what God, well, no, 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 no. You've got your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got mine. I know that God called me to preach. I know that. I know I'm supposed to preach. I know if I don't preach, I'm not doing what God called me to do. One day I had to search out what the will of God was for me and I sought that thing and God showed it to me and I stepped out on faith toward that thing. Everybody in the building here this morning has got a will of God for your life and you've got to find out what it is. You say, well, you can see that so-and-so can sing and they can do this and do this and this and so that, that's what they ought to be doing. Well, now that from your you and mine, our view yeah, we think that's what they ought to do, but maybe that's not what they are called to do. Maybe they can sing, but does that mean that's what God wants? I don't know. Maybe that's not what God wants. Maybe God knows that if they do step up behind the church, how many singers? I know, I know of one Whitney Houston and Elvis Presley and a lot of those uh, worldly, well-known singers. You know where they started out at? In church. And then they got out of the will of God. You see that? So maybe God says, well, they got talent to sing, but I don't want them to step up and sing because if they do, my foreknowledge knows they're gonna get out of the will of God. And so maybe you and I could look at somebody and say, uh that's what they ought to be doing. But maybe that's not what they ought to be doing. Their personal relationship will dictate to them what they ought to be doing. So let's notice four things by way of introduction here. Number one, let's notice that God's plan is personal. You see, God's will is God's plan. And God's plan for you and me is personal. It's a personal thing. Like I've been saying all along, it's just for you. The Bible said in Acts 22 and verse number 14, and he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. So he says that thou shouldest know his will. You and I should know God's will for our life. That makes it personal it makes it personal. So the will of God, the plan of God for your life, it's a personal thing. Then number two, we notice that God's Plan is a continual thing. It's continual. It's not just for today and then, well, God doesn't have a plan for you tomorrow and then maybe one day he'll pick back up and have a plan for you later on. It doesn't work that way. God has a plan for your life every single day. We know in Romans 8 and verse number 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that every day that you put your feet and I put my feet on the floor, God has something for you. There's a plan for you. We don't walk around in our lives just haphazardly. God has a plan for us. And so it's up to you and I to find out what that plan is. And that plan is personal and it's continual. According to Isaiah 58 and verse number 11, the Bible said, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make make fat thy bones. So the Lord will guide thee continually. So you can see that God's plan is a continual thing. Then number three, we notice that God's plan is specific. God's plan is specific. The Bible said in Jeremiah 10 and verse number twenty-three: 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You see, God's plan is specific. You, as I've said, you don't determine your steps. I don't mean the physical steps that you take literally necessarily, but uh, it could be the steps you take in life, the choices that you make, the choices that we make. You know, God has a specific plan for us, and so he's the one that directs our steps. We cannot guide ourselves. You see, only God knows the future. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's one of my favorite passages in the scripture. God directs your path. And I like that. I'm glad to know that I don't have to figure all this out. I just have to get in God's will. And then God will take care of the rest. God will give you the protection. You know, you can't go out of here. uh, you, You talk about the will of God and all. You can't go out of here until God says it's your time to go. You ain't going nowhere until God says it's your time to go. And so, so that brings me great comfort to know that as long as I'm serving God and following him, I'm not going out of here until he says it's time to go. And so, so God's plan is specific. It's personal, it's continual, and then God's plan is specific. And then number four, God's plan is to guide us in the here and now and not just in the future. So right where you're sitting right now, you're sitting in that pew and you're thinking, okay, I need to find what God's will is for my life for the future. No, God has a will of God here in the now, right now. Today, God has a will for you. And he has something for you to do today. I don't know, maybe it's, you You know, you pick up some tracks and then what you do is you go through the drive-thru. You go out and you eat after service and you want to hand out a few tracks. Maybe you want to set up a thing where you go out and, and you pass out five tracks each week. That's not too much for God to ask, is it? And so maybe you want to pass out of track. Maybe you want to invite somebody to church. Maybe, you see, there's a purpose and a plan for our lives that God has called us to do. And I believe these are some of those things that God wants us to do. Maybe maybe it's uh, up to you to ask somebody, hey, have you ever been saved? Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Now, I mean, maybe that's the thing that God has you to do, a soul winner. I know there's some that win souls. Seems like God has their hand on them more than others. But that doesn't nullify the fact that we're all soul winners. We all should tell somebody about Jesus, right? I mean, if, if God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, that makes every one of us soul winners. And so God has a plan that is personal. God has a plan that is continual. God has a plan that is specific. And then God has a plan for you and me in the here and right now and not just in the future. He says in Psalm 37 and verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. So the steps are right now. You're taking steps right now. And and so those steps are in the here and now. So those are four things about God's will. Now let me give you three conditions of the guidance here. Turn to Psalm 37, if you would. Psalm 37. There's three conditions. You want to find the will of God this morning? Well, you're going to have to meet these three conditions. Psalm 37. Like I said, I just wanna help you this morning. I wanna give you something from the Bible that I think that, I think a lot of Christians, they, they have no idea what they're doing. They've never been led or guided or taught about the will of God. And so I hope that this will help you so that you set out to search for the will of God for your life. In Psalm 37, if you'll look with me in verse number three, let's see here, verses three through five, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. What a great passage that this is in Psalm 37 here that we find in connection with God's will or God's guidance to find God's will or to search out God's will in our life. Notice number one that you're going to have to trust in the Lord. If you want to find the will of God for your life, you're going to have to trust God. You're have to put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's, he said in verse number three, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. And so you trust in the Lord. You're not going to find the will of God unless you trust in God. I mean, that's how you find it. That's how you seek for the will of God is first of all, put your trust in him. Okay, Lord, I don't know what you want for me or what you have for me, but I'm trusting that you will show me what you have for me. Pray about it. Go to the word of God and read about it. Sometimes God will show you from his Bible exactly and from his word exactly what he has for you, but you're not gonna find and search and seek the will of God if you're not trusting in the Lord. And then we notice number two, he says in verse number four, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So you're gonna have to delight yourself in the Lord. You're gonna have to be eager. Uh, You're gonna have to be, uh, what's another word? You have to. Be, you got to be willing to seek out and 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 eager to seek out the will of God for your life. You're going to have to have a desire. You're sitting here this morning. You have no desire to find the will of God. You're not going to find the will of God. You got to trust in the Lord. You're going to have to. You're going to have to have a desire to seek out His will, or you can't find His will. And so you can't get in his will. So that's why you delight yourself also in the Lord. And then I like the last part to that verse in verse four. He said, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I like that. You and I serve a God that'll give us the desires of our heart. We're spoiled, aren't we? I mean, as Christians, we've got everything under the sun, don't we? I mean, we've got power windows and and power mirrors and we got heated seats and heated steering wheels and we got everything under the sun. I mean, God has truly spoiled us, hadn't he? And he's given us the desires of our heart. But let me caution you about that. Be careful not to allow those things that God blesses you and I with to get in the way of living for God. God does those things to, to bless you for serving That's what he does. As you go along, it's an encouragement. And God says, well, I think I'll just dump a handful out here for you and just encourage you. And that's the way God does. He encourages us that way. So if if we're wanting to seek out the will of God and we want God's guidance, there's three conditions. Number one, you're going to have to trust in the Lord. Number two, you're going to have to delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, you're going to have to have a desire to seek out God's will. And then number three, you're going to have to commit your ways to the Lord. In Psalm here 37, verse number five, he said, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. So you're going to have to commit your way unto the Lord. When you get up, Today, you're going to to say, all right, Lord, I don't know exactly what you've got the day laid out for, but I'm going to do what I know to do, and I'm going to commit it to you. I'm going to give this day to you. This day is not my day. This day is your day, and this day is the day that I'm going to try to take the steps to walk in your light. He said it to walk in the light as he is in the light, and then we have fellowship one with another, and so we're going to have to commit our ways unto the Lord. So number one, trust in the Lord. Number two, delight yourself in the Lord. And then number three, you're going to have to commit yourself to the Lord. Now, Jesus tells the Jews the way to know God's will is to obey him. He says in John 7, in verse number 17, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. You see, that doctrine, you're going you're gonna to do it. You're going to obey it. Once you get in that Bible and you find out what the doctrine is, then you get in, you start obeying it, and you do the will of God. Remember, he said doing the will of God from the heart. So you're going to do that thing from the will of God, or excuse me, from the heart in order to find the will of God. We're talking about searching out the will of God this morning. Paul says the way to prove God's will is to obey him. So not only to know God's will is you're going to have to obey him. Paul says, in order to prove God's will, you're going to have to obey, and that's back in Romans chapter twelve in verse number two. I'll read it again. Uh, he says, um, he says uh, in verse number two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice he said to prove prove what is that good. So if you want to prove it, you're going to have to be doing it. Now, here's the thing that I've learned. I've learned this. If you're not doing what God has already told you to do right now, don't expect God to show you anything else until you do what he's told you to already do. I mean, so, all right, so you're saved, but you haven't been baptized. Well, God, what's the will for my life? Well, first of all, you got to be baptized or you can't find the will of God for your life. I mean, it's gonna be a tough thing. If you're not doing what you know to do right now, then it's gonna be a hard thing to find out what the will of God is going forward. You know, where should I live? Where should I work? Who should I marry? And all those things. If you're not doing what God has shown you to do right now, how can God trust you with what he wants to show you later on? So you do what God wants you to do now. Uh, you, somebody says, well, I, I, I wanna preach. I want God, I think God might be dealing with me to preach. Yeah, but if you're not faithful to church, God's not gonna call you to preach. I mean, if you're not reading your Bible and you're not praying and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that's, that, that's, that's a fellowship that's right, then God ain't going to show you anything. So you've got to be doing the will of God from the heart. You've got to be doing what you know to do right now or God's not going to show you other things going forward. Now, we're talking about searching for the will of God in your life. And so let me give you number one, and then I, and I'll close out with this one here, okay? Number one, how does God reveal his will? How does God reveal His will? That's a great question there. I mean, you know, if, if I'm sitting around and I'm thinking, okay, I'd like to know the will of God, so what, what's, what's a good point? Well, one of the ways that God reveals His will to you, which He'll mostly use this, is by His Word. That's You see, the Holy Spirit will never, ever lead you to go against God's Word. Never, ever. So if something comes along and it tries to tell you something that's contrary to the Bible, then you can just forget it. That's not the Holy Spirit telling you that because the Holy Spirit will never lead you to go against God's Word. So that's one of the ways that God reveals His will is through His Word. In John 1.1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word. So it started out way back there in the beginning, there was God's Word. You see, God knows how to communicate with man. And He knows that that communication that's set up is through words. That's how we communicate. You know, you can, you, know, you You can, I guess, train a dog to a certain degree or a parrot or whatever. You can train them with words and things like that, but they cannot communicate like man does. Man communicates to other men by words, and God knows that. And so that's how God communicates with you and I. That's why he said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You see, it's by the word of God that we live. We live and breathe our existence, our, our sustenance is the Word of God. And without that, then God can't reveal anything to you and I. And if it's by words, then it's through the Holy Bible. Now, y'all know my position on this, and you know the church's position on this is when we say the Bible, we mean the King James Bible. We don't mean any of those funny Bibles. We don't mean the, you know, the M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E kind of Bibles. We don't mean Cinderella and Peter Pan. We're talking about the King James Bibles, what we're talking about. And, and I hope you believe that. You realize the NIV differs in about 44,000 places in the King James Bible? That's a lot of differences. But they say, well, there ain't no differences. They're all God's Word. Well, if, if that's the case, why is there 44,000 different places? Man, we could talk about this all, all morning long, really, but we must have God's Word to know God's will. Now, come over to 1 Samuel chapter number 3. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, I think this will be helpful. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. My fingers are all thumbs this morning. In 1 Samuel chapter number 3, I'm just going to skim down through the passage here. But 1 Samuel chapter number 3 in verse 1 said, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli and the word of the lord was precious in those days there was no open vision now if you remember the story here what you've got here is you've got um, you've got Samuel and he's ministering here before the lord and the word of the lord it was precious it was it was well, it was valuable but it was it was rare in those days. You see, Eli wasn't doing, he wasn't living right, he wasn't doing right, and there was no open vision. Why? Because the word of the Lord was rare. It was precious. And verse two says, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. See, that's what'll happen. You get out of that Bible, you get out of the word of God and your eyes will grow dim to the spiritual things, to the will of God, to the, to the ways of God and the workings of God and your eyes will grow dim that you can't see what God wants for you. Why? It all started with the word of God. In verse number three, it says, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, here am I, for thou has, excuse me, for thou calledest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did Not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. And therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. You can read the rest of the passage there when you get home, but what we're talking about here is Samuel knew God only by God's word. That's the only way that you and I are going to know God. You can't know anything about God outside of the Bible you hold in your lap. God chose his word to be able to reveal himself to man. So it's only fitting that God chose his word to reveal his will to man. So if you want to know and to search out the will of God, then you must have the word of God. In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 2, it's called the oracles of God. The Bible said the oracles of God were committed unto the Jew. Why is that? Well, because of the Jew, we have a Bible. Did you know without the Jewish, well, I say Jewish race, jew is not really a race it's it's the religion really but jewish religion but but it's the hebrews but but without the jews you and i wouldn't even have a bible and so if you know when you look at the bible pinned down by man it's pinned down by jewish people it's pinned down by the Jews and so the oracles of God were committed unto the Jews oracles orator words see that it's the words of God that were committed to the Jew and thank God it was delivered to you and me so that now you and I can know the will of God for our lives as well in first kings chapter 13 in verse number 21 it's also called the mouth of the Lord you see the Lord actually spoke words These are words that were actually spoken. You see, we've got the written word, but these words were actually spoken at one time. At the mouth of the Lord was these words spoken. So you've got the oracles of God, which is the words of God. You have the mouth of the Lord, which deals with the words of God. And these are no more connected with with newer versions than Cinderella or Peter Pan. I mean, God uses the Bible here to show you and me what He wants us to do. And God will lead us through the Scriptures, and they'll speak out to you and me as loud as they possibly can, and God will show you His will. There's a passage in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, where God shown me, and I settled on the day that God, the day that I surrendered to the call to preach. I mean, God had called me, uh, you know, He was calling me six months before I surrendered to preach. But then I finally quit running, and I just said, okay, God. And I was reading a passage in the book of Matthew, and that's when I settled on that thing. You see, God will show you his will through his word many times. Now, my belief is that it's here in the King James Bible. Now, listen to Colossians 1 and verse number 14. Colossians 1, 14, it talks about through the blood in Colossians 1, 14. But do you know that all modern versions remove through the blood? Now, don't you think that's a pretty important thing to omit is through the blood? You see, these modern versions do it all through there. They omit verses and words and passages and, and things like that. And what it is, it's an attack on the blood. When you remove through the blood, that's an attack on the blood. They say Jesus instead of Lord in Luke 23 and verse number 42, while the thief is dying on the cross. And so Jesus isn't Lord, he's just Jesus, but his Lord. You see, he is Lord, right? I believe you'd agree with that. And in Luke chapter two and verse 33, all modern versions, God never wrote a Bible or a book that called Joseph Jesus' father, but modern versions called Jesus, uh, Joseph Jesus' father. Joseph was not Jesus' father. God was Jesus' father. Do you realize that if Joseph is Jesus' father, you and I are still dead in our trespasses and sins and on our way to hell? It's just if if Joseph is Jesus' father, that means it's just as good as if you or I died on the cross of Calvary and our blood is no good. Man's blood is no good. It took the blood of the sinless Lamb of God that was slain on the cross of Calvary and sacrificed for you and I for our sins to be atoned for. And when you remove through the blood, then you remove your salvation. Say bye-bye to it when you remove the blood. That's how your sins are washed away. Nothing, nothing but the blood. But modern versions attack that thing. You see, these books are counterfeits to God's word and they're counterfeits to God's will. I'm sticking with the book of books. I'm sticking with the book that God blessed for years before any modern version ever came up on the scene and that's the King James Bible. It was good enough for my grandfather and it's good enough for me. You want to search out the will of God this morning? I've laid out a few things here. That if you want to know what God's will is, you have a desire. You have to trust in the Lord. You're going to have to have a desire. And then you're going to have to be doing what God's already told you to do. And then God will show, can begin to show you his will for your life. And the first place that he'll do that and reveal his will is through his word.